Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Sunday, February the 20th, 2022. It is currently 4.08 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Now, I know it's Sunday afternoon, and I I could be turning on the microphone right now, possibly to do a Bible study exercise. Well, we, we kind of did that this morning. We introduced the Bible study exercise for this week. You'll definitely want to go listen to that. We, we could be talking about something very philological and, and, and grounded in church history like we did this morning when we dealt with the doctrine of reprobation and we went through the order of God's decrees and we looked at the Arminian view and the Emeraldian view, the Emeraldian view. We looked at, I mean, we looked at so many different things that, that we could do that this afternoon, but we, we did that this morning. Um, just a little while ago, I did a live broadcast and we, we, we looked at The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, looking at a famous book written over 500 years ago. Yeah, we just did that a little while ago. But it is still Sunday afternoon. So in some ways, I kind of wanted to continue to go in that, that direction. And then all of a sudden, I stopped and said, you know what? No, I'm going to talk about this subject right here, right now, because it's in the news. It is controversial and it will offend some people. But it needs to be discussed because I'm sitting here inside a church, inside of an empty sanctuary. And my question is to you, what should actually be taking place inside a church? What should be taking place inside of your church? There's a lot of things we say. Well, obviously, the ordinances should be carried out in a biblical way. Baptism should be done in a biblical way. The Lord's Supper should be done in a biblical way, which I believe is closed communion. We could get into a discussion about that. That needs to be done. And clearly, the preaching of God's word must be done in a correct and biblical way. It must be, must be rightly divided. It must be rightly interpreted. It must be rightly applied. But obviously, one of the main things the church is supposed to be doing is supposed to be equipping saints for the work of ministry. And they must be equipped so they'll no longer be tossed to and fro like children with every wind of doctrine. But please hear that. The church is supposed to be equipping Christians for ministry. And I believe there is an equipping that should be occurring in the church that goes maybe even a step beyond just equipping the average layperson for ministry. There may be another step that should be occurring that I believe churches all across the world has neglected. They have abandoned. They have decided it's not their job. It's not their responsibility. And this has led to what I call the seminary industrial complex. And I'm going to say this. This is my hypothesis. This is my thesis. I'm going to say it right here this Sunday afternoon inside this empty sanctuary. And it may offend many people, but it needs to be said. I believe the entire seminary concept is nothing more than a scam. 
I believe it's nothing more than a scam and it should be spoken against. It should be called out and it should be condemned. And I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me and that's okay. And may- maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm saying it. Maybe I'm going a little too far in my condemnation, but I think in this case, I need to say it as extreme and as blunt as I can to wake people up. I think it's, it's fraudulent what the church has done with the whole seminary industrial complex. Now, a scam is defined as, this is for Merriam-Webster, number one, to deceive and defraud Someone. I think seminaries are, in a sense, deceive. They deceive and they defraud. They deceive because they are taking, they, they are trying to convince people that what they have the job to do what they do and not the local church. I think that's deception. I think they've deceived the minds of local churches that, hey, you can't do it, we can. And they've defrauded because they make all kinds of money and that money is not going into the local church. Not only is the money not going into the local church, in many cases it takes people out of the local church so that they can go off to the seminary to do what I believe the church is supposed to be doing. But there's a second definition of a scam. To obtain something such as money by a scam. Seminaries make money, lots of money, and I think they're doing it. It's a scam. Now, I know, I know right there, you're going to, some of you are going to be pushing back. That's okay. That's, I understand. I understand. Just at least hear me out. Now, why am I taking time on this Sunday afternoon when I could be doing a lot of other things to discuss this issue? Because after the last live broadcast, The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Kempis, right? Church history, devotional, theological, because we dealt with conscience, right? After we talked about all of that, I was just sitting here and I looked down. And I saw this news headline. Black seminary grads with debt higher than others cope with money and ministry. Now, some people may focus on the race. Okay, so black seminary graduates. I'm not here to get into some racial discussion, right? Because I don't care black or white. I, I, this is what I read. I didn't read the the black seminary grads that that wasn't even a factor in my mind. Here's what I read. Seminary grads with debt higher than others cope with money and ministry. I saw seminary graduates with debt. That's what I saw. That to me is the story. You, You can look at the racial component and you can have that discussion, but I'm setting aside the racial component and I'm looking at this, wait a minute, seminary graduates with debt. And then right underneath that headline are these words. The Reverend Malek, M-E-L-E-C-H, the Reverend Malek Thomas attended two seminaries and graduated from the second, a historically black theological school in 2016. The academic journey put him in the pulpit of an African Methodist Episcopal church in North Carolina. But the pursuit of a master of divinity degree also left him about $80,000 in 
debt. $80,000 in debt. It goes on to say, the tuition was less, but I still had to live, he said, describing other seminary-related uh, after his transfer from Princeton Theological Seminary. And they go on and they start talking about the expense, how much it cost, and then they're showing this. According to the Association of Theological Schools, debt incurred by black graduates from 2019 to 2020, academic year averaged, averaged 42,700 compared with 31,200 for white graduates. Now they're going to get into a whole discussion about race and why one more. Okay, I'm not, I'm not here to have that conversation. Here's my question. Why is anyone incurring debt to go get a education so that you can minister to people? Why is that occurring? To me, the whole system is so broken and it is confused. First, let's just start with the debt issue. Let's just start with the debt issue. So here, here's the situation. So here's someone, they're sitting in a church. Now the church is supposed to be equipping saints for ministry. That's biblical. That's what the church is supposed to be doing. But then someone in the church says, I feel called to go into full-time ministry. So then, okay, well, you got to go off to Bible college. You got to go off to seminary. So they pack up. They may move. Maybe there's a seminary in the same town. But whatever the case is, they go to this other institution, not a church, a Bible college or a seminary, to get trained so that they can minister. And they come out with a degree that says now they are, tra they are trained to minister to people. And they also come out with debt, financial debt. Now, just think about what happens here. I'm sitting in a church in the middle of absolute nowhere, Texas, literally the middle of nowhere, Texas. If someone was to come to this church to be the pastor and they had 43,000, 31,000, 30, 20,000, whatever the debt is, and they were to come to this church, they're going to be, they're not going to be able to make it financially. They're, if they're paying their debt, obviously trying to support their family, they're going to easily have to become a bivocational pastor immediately. And not only a bivocational pastor, they may have to have two jobs to try to support themselves and pay back their debt. So guess what many of them do? They wouldn't end up in this church in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Or if they did end up here, they would probably do everything they can to move this church that's in the middle of nowhere, Texas, to a place where there would be more, uh, a greater ability to grow so that they could, they, he, they could, because obviously the church is going to need to grow because if it grows, then more money is coming in and he can get paid more, then maybe he can stop being bivocational and maybe he can start paying back his school debt. In other words, money, 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 money is going to start becoming a major focus and instead of ministry, 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 ministry. It's like, I can't do ministry because I got to make money because I got to pay back this debt that I got to get trained to do ministry. So the training of ministry literally puts the person in the pulpit to have to be concerned with money instead of ministry. Now, maybe they're super godly and maybe they're able to control that focus and say, no, 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 I'm going to put the emphasis on ministry. No, the emphasis is going to be on money. And if you look, you just go look up, look up big seminaries. Look them up, look them up, look up Bible colleges and look at how much it costs per, uh, per semester hour. L look, at, uh, look at how much it costs, how much their, their full education will cost. Just look at the number and go, how is someone supposed to pay for that? 
They get in debt. They incur debt. They take out loans. They get in debt and they're paying it back and paying it back. Well, that's going to greatly impact their ministry right from the start. So my, my whole problem is, is that immediately it impacts ministry. It impacts ministry, which I think is absolutely incorrect and wrong. That just changes the focus. And then everybody gets mad. Well, man, pastors, all pa- pastors care about money. And all pastors care about is, is how many people. All they care about is the, the numbers. And, and they do this and, and they won't do this and they won't do that. Well, because they're trying to pay back thousands and thousands of dollars of seminary debt. How about, how about we stop and go, wait a minute, what if the system was different? So that's the first problem is, to me, it incurs financial debt, which then creates a situation where money has to at least be in the top two or three concerns versus ministry issues. Now, maybe pastors are able to put that down, but they can't deny it. They got to still pay the bills. So that's, that's already a problem. A second problem is in, not in every case, but in many cases, a person will go to church. Let's say, let's say they went to church here in the middle of nowhere, Texas. And all of a sudden they get called to ministry and they need, and, and like, what do I do? Well, you got to go get, got to go to Bible college, go to seminary. Well, then they pack up, leave the local church to go move somewhere, to go to seminary, to go to Bible college. Maybe, maybe they'll join another church, but literally the seminary situation, the seminary industrial complex, in many cases, pulls people out of a local church. They pull them from the local church. That's detrimental to the local church. So they pull someone who's called to ministry. Listen, okay, so let's just do this. Number one, it creates a situation where money becomes the priority over ministry. Number two, it literally pulls people out of local churches. Number three, just think about this. It pulls people out of a local church who literally wants to do ministry. Here's someone in a local church. Where does ministry take place? Oh, inside churches. So you take someone who now wants to do ministry, you pull them out of the local church to go supposedly get equipped for ministry so that then they can go find another local church in which they can do ministry. But they were already in a church where ministry occurs. So why would you not use the opportunity in a church where ministry already occurs to help train them to do ministry and they start their ministry right there? <laughs> like, it may, hey, this person, man, they're ready. They're excited. They're excited for the things of God. They're, they want to minister. They feel called to minister. So let's all say farewell as they go off to get trained to go do ministry and they'll end up in another church somewhere else to do ministry. It was great knowing you. Goodbye. Like, what... That makes no sense. That's so illogical to me. It it makes no sense. And here's the big one, right? So not only does it make money, at least least an equal priority or a greater priority sometimes than ministry, not only does it take someone out of the church, it removes someone who wants to do ministry, it removes them from the ministry of the local church to send them off somewhere else. But here's the big one. I think the whole concept is not biblical. I don't think it is biblical. Let me just read, because I think this is interesting. Here's an article that I thought was interesting. Now, if you look up a lot of articles about who should train men for ministry, most 
most articles will say, well, I, I support the seminary. They need a seminary education. They should go off to seminary. They should go off to Bible college. Almost everyone supports that model. I know I'm, I know I'm in, the, in the minority, but here, I thought this article was interesting. Most evangelicals believe the answer to the question of who is responsible for training pastors, they would believe it's obvious. Seminaries are responsible. A man who decides he wants to be a pastor should go to seminary, get a degree, and then presto, he's ready to be a pastor. But that's not what the Bible describes. The Bible describes pastor training in 2 Timothy 2.2, and I'm going to read from the translation they use. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul seems to indicate to Timothy as the leader of a local church to personally train other men for ministry who will be able to teach the church. Training pastors is the responsibility of both church leaders as well as churches as a whole. Churches are responsible to support their pastor's work and training men for ministry. Give whatsoever resources they can to train men for ministry, encourage and equip men themselves, and ultimately select their own leaders, which implies some kind of responsibility to oversee their training. In other words, seminaries don't make pastors. Churches make pastors. Now, all I can, I'm going to stand up right now. I'm going to stand up. And applaud that. I'm glad that there are some out there who agree with my perspective. But every time I say my perspective, people think I'm absolutely crazy. The whole seminary industrial complex creates a financial problem. It takes people out of a church. It um, it cr- takes people who, who want to do ministry out of the local church where they could do ministry and learn ministry. And guess the best way to learn ministry is to be actually engaged in the ministry of a local church. Now, some seminaries, it's what's even so messed up. Some Bible colleges and seminaries, like you'll go to Bible college or seminary, and then you'll you'll do an internship at some church for a year. What? If you're going to go do internship, why didn't you just do stay at your local church and learn right there? But to me, the whole biblical model is the church is already supposed to be equipping you for ministry just from the normal teaching of the church. I In this church that I'm currently sitting in, this is taken seriously here. We teach church history. We teach theology. We teach hermeneutics, not at special classes, from the pulpit on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. We've taught, we've taught everything from the 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 confessions the creeds we've we've went through the seven ecumenical councils i mean even even today we were talking about arminianism emerald emerald deism we were going through all of these very important theological concepts like it doesn't matter we go all in i mean we we went through the uh, niagara creed through every part of that creed i mean we we do Anything and everything. That's from the pulpit. Uh, we Hermeneutics, I mean, we dig into hermeneutics all the time. Um, her, we, we, we dealt with all the different hermeneutical principles and how the New Testament handles the Old Testament. That was in our series on the book of Romans. I mean, we go, that's done from the pulpit. 
I've said that the, the average Christian should be so well-trained that, that in many cases, I think that the, the church should do such a good job. And I will, and I will, and I've always said this, and I, I know this church is often accused of being a minute. We, we always get accused, sometimes visitors. You're just a mini seminary. You're not even a church. Okay, whatever. I'm supposed to be training people for ministry. I've said so many times that I want the people in the pews, I want them more trained than people who come out of seminaries. But we, 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 we just neglect it and send them off to do the, the seminary thing where they incur debt. So here's what I'm going to challenge. Here's what I'm going to say. Here's, here's my philosophy. Now, my, my hypothesis is that it's all a scam and it's all a fraud and it goes against the Bible. And it, all it does is hurt ministry. Here's what I would say. Number one, if the church believes someone is called to the ministry and they think that they should go off to Bible college and seminary, then that church should do everything in their power to help pay for it. That church should do everything in its power to help. No, no. Hey, whatever seminary, you fill out your application. When, they, when the church says, what are you going to do financially? Here's my pastor's name. Here's the church's name. They're going to help pay for it because they're going to support me to be trained in ministry. They're going to make that the ministry of that church is they're going to support my being equipped so that then I, when I enter into ministry, I can go to any church because I don't have any debt. It's been paid off by the church. Now you say, well, that's just ridiculous and crazy. Oh, is it? Is it ridiculous and crazy? Because I see churches spending money on pizza parties, lock-ins, building a fellowship hall so that we can all go sit around and shove food down our throats. I've seen churches spend money building a basketball court. I've seen churches spend money on some of the most ridiculous, nothing in the Bible about it. So if you want to send them off to seminary, pay for it. Support them. Actually help them. Okay, so if, and, and if you don't want to do that, well, then don't, then don't, then you don't care, then you don't care about the future of Christianity having trained leaders. Isn't that the ministry of the church is to ensure that faithful men, are, the word of God is entrusted unto them so that they can teach? Well, if you're going to, if you're going to neglect the responsibility of doing it within the church, then send them off and pay for it. Now, if you're not going to pay for it, here's an idea. You're a local church. Someone feels called to ministry. Well, let's get started. Let's get started. Now, the pastor can have a do. He can either set it up like with official teaching, like, you know, like in a classroom setting by all means. But he can also immediately start just meeting on a weekly basis with the person. Okay, I need you to do this. Here's your homework. Here's your assignment. Here's this. They can just start talking about ministry, the struggle of ministry. They can just get start getting the person involved in ministry in all kinds of different ways. Typically what happens, you go off to Bible college, you get four years of, you know, a Bible degree, and then the person now just thrown into ministry. Let me tell you, you're not ready for ministry just having a Bible degree or a seminary degree. You're not. The only way you learn ministry is in the trenches doing it, learning the problems and the difficulties of what's going on in the church. There were so many, I, look, how, I don't even know how many different degrees I have. Now, the good thing is I had the military paying for most of my education. That was great. Uh, but I went to any school and every school I could find, any school, uh, Grace University in Omaha, Nebraska, Moody Bible Institute, you just, uh, Slidell Baptist Seminary, uh, 
I don't even remember all of all of the different schools. I could go on and on and on. Uh, Bible Institutes, Twin Cities Bible uh, Baptist uh, Bible Institute. Uh, man, what was the other one? I don't even remember. I would have to go find all of the different degrees and certificates I have. Uh, I even went to, I even was a student at Family Radio School of the Bible back when Harold Camping was in. I even went through that entire mess. I, I, I also went to a, a Catholic uh, seminary or a Catholic, a Catholic university in order to get a degree in Catholic theology so I could learn a Catholic perspective. So when I spoke about Catholicism, I could do so from a position of knowledge and not a position of ignorance. I could go from school, school to school to school that I went to. Charles Stanley had a, uh, an institute. I even went to that school and got a certificate from any school that I could find I went to. Any school. I mean, man. And, you know, and how many times did I do the same in some of the same courses over and over? New Testament survey, Old Testament survey. I mean, over, I mean, I think I did some of the same courses like 17 times it felt like. Over and over and over because I never really transferred credits, I would just start over because I wanted the education. I wanted that Bible education. I wanted that to know theology and church history. And I wanted to know hermeneutics. And I wanted and I want and I learned and learned and learned and learned and learned. And after you take all of those degrees and all of that learning, and then boom, I end up here in the middle of nowhere, Texas and a church. And immediately I realized, man, okay, there's a lot of these things that I didn't learn. You know what would have helped me much better? If the churches that I was at in Nebraska, now the, the first church that I went to in Nebraska, they had a Bible Institute. I graduated from that school as well. Um, I also was going to Grace University in Omaha, Nebraska at the same time I was doing the Bible Institute because I wanted as much education as I could get. But you know what really never t- took place? Oh, the pa- pastor did some teaching. He did teaching, right? You know, hey, we're going to we're, we're going to go through this doctrine and this doctrine, all, all the theological training. Yes. I didn't really learn about some of the really practical issues of ministry. My second church that I went to, um, I, I was given some opportunities to teach. I got to teach the adult Sunday school class. I got to teach the singles class. I, I got to preach sometimes. I still didn't really get any hands-on experience with actual ministry. There was actually no real help. I was ordained. They ordained me. Great. Wonderful. And then it's like, okay, now I was, the, the, the military sent me here to the middle of nowhere, Texas. And next thing you know, I get an opportunity to be the pastor. I, was, I, I knew how to preach the Bible. I knew how to teach. I knew doctrine. I knew theology. I knew church history. I knew hermeneutics. I knew, I mean, I could, I could go just... Let's go get, put me behind the pulpit and I can teach for 18 hours nonstop. Let's just go. But a lot of the, the parts of ministry that I wasn't prepared for, that I really didn't learn. I didn't really learn those things. That's what you learn it in the local church. So the pastor can take men, actually teach them and then actually bring them in a sense, think about it as an internship, right? The person's already a member of the church, right? They're already a member of the church. They don't have to pay for any of this. They don't have to, they don't have to be charged money. It's the pastor's job to be, be training them. And then he can bring them in a sense behind the scenes and talk about ministry and struggle and what's going on and this, and just talk about practical situations, now, of course, that man being trained for ministry, as he gets to see, in a sense, behind the scenes and some of the things going on, obviously that man has to be trustworthy and know that he's obviously not to share any private or confidential information. 
Obviously, you've got to be some guidelines on how to handle that, but, but you want him involved in, in the day-to-day ministry. And the pastor needs to share frustrations and dangers and failures and struggles. Let the, let the person really see what's going on. And then do like classroom teaching, do classroom teaching. And then put the person, give them every opportunity. Give them things to do. Give them projects. Give them things to work on. Help them. Let them succeed. Let them fail. Pick them back up. It's a a part of the life of the church. And then you know what you do? Once all the training is complete, you think, okay, you're ready to go, and you ordain them, then guess what you do? That church right there, You've been trained, you've been ordained, now you're ready to enter into ministry. Let's find either, either if you want to start a church, then that church that ordained you will help support you financially and starting a church. Or if you're getting ready to move and go to another church, the church that you were a part of that trained you, guess what? They're going to help pay to get you moved. They're going to help pay to get you set up. They're going to, they're going to be there to support you early on in that ministry. So until you are financially stable and ready to go so that you can just focus on ministry, which will be an extension of the ministry of the church that trained you and sent you out. That's the way it should be done. Churches spend money on so much, so many things, so much just garbage. But man, when it comes to actually getting people ready for ministry, no, we just like, no, you go, go somewhere else and figure that out. Now, I know what many will say, but, 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 they need to know Hebrew. They need to know Greek, Aramaic, Latin. Okay, I do agree that many times the local church may not have the ability to give them the training and original languages that maybe many feel they need. But I also know this. I've seen plenty of men, plenty of men. I've listened to bazillions of sermons to men who have degrees from very prestigious universities and and seminaries. I mean, what, what, what do they typically do? And the typical ministry of the church, what are they doing so profound with the original languages? What are they doing that's so profound? They're not, they're not tip. Now they may bring the Greek New Testament up to the pulpit to, 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 to flaunt their, in, their education, maybe. But the reality is they're preaching from the English text or Spanish text or whatever language of the, of the congregation, they're going to be preaching from that. And at specific times in the text, they may make reference to the Greek or the Hebrew. But in, I will say most of the time, the information they give either A, comes from a commentary, B, can be found in your basic Greek and Hebrew tools, Right? You can look up an interlinear. You can find you can find most of the information the pastors give, who supposedly know Greek or Hebrew so amazingly. Most of the time, there may be exceptions, but most of the time, what they give you can be found in any basic Greek and Hebrew tools that even the congregation can be looking up. They can go, oh no, that's the Greek word. That's the Hebrew word. That's what it means. Now they can look up Thayer's lexicon. They they can look up many, some of those tools are just as available to anyone and everyone. 
right? They may be a- able to, may- maybe they'll, ha- they'll possess a little bit of ability, but I've heard the people who supposedly, and look, I've heard people who've gone to great seminaries say something about the Greek and Hebrew, and you look it up and you're like, wait a minute, what are they talking about? What, wait, that's, okay, according to this source, that's not true. According to this source, it's not true. According to this source, it's not true. But they're like, hey, I went to Westminster, uh, Westminster Seminary. I'm, I'm, I'm trained. I know more than you. Oh, okay. Well, you may know more than me, but according to all these other Greek scholars, you're wrong. <laughs> okay. So, and they went to bigger schools than you did. They went to, they've got more degrees in Greek and Hebrew than you do. So um, I just think that, and, and, and here's what you hear. You go to seminary, you supposedly learn all of this stuff. And then what, I've heard it so many times. Okay. Now, now you learn all of this stuff, stuff in seminary, but when you preach, you want to preach at about a seventh grade level. What was the point of going to seminary? Look, I've heard men preach who were trained in a local church, a Bible institute, ordained by that. And they handle the word of God. They interpret it. They go deep. And I've heard men who come from big seminaries and they're not doing anything better or greater. You, you know what's typically how preachers are judged? They may be judged, so maybe people care about the degrees, maybe they don't care about the degrees, but ultimately what I've determined to see the success of a preacher, not in every situation, in many cases is their ability to communicate more than their ability supposedly that they learned in seminary that now shows itself in some major way from the pulpit. I mean, I, I, just, think, I, I just think the whole concept is so unbiblical. And again, I, I, I've gone to seminaries and I've gone to Bible institutes. I can tell you that in most cases, the Bible institutes I went to, the little Bible institutes, insignificant, not accredited. In many cases, I learned so much more in those Bible institutes. There was just a more personal approach. We, we didn't have to, they weren't necessarily worried, okay, we got to get this done in this, in this semester. We got to get this. It was more like, let's just take this apart. Let's break this down. And there was just more, it was, it was very different in those situations. In many cases, I learned far more. That may not have been as technical, may not have been as structured as a seminary or, or like my classes at Grace University in Omaha, Nebraska. But I also know that at Grace University in Omaha, Nebraska, for my Genesis class, we spent basically the entire semester arguing about time. What is time? Does, do we understand time from an eternal perspective? Is God in time or is God transcendent to time? And we basically had an entire semester arguing about the philosophy of time. And it was really the, the, supposed to be the study of Genesis. Yeah, that, that, was, that was wonderful. That was great. But I've taken Genesis and other little smaller schools, and I actually learned Genesis. Okay, I actually learned Genesis. Now we didn't get into those deep philosophical discussions. And yes, the uh, the, the university at, at Grace University in Omaha, they did do a very good job, maybe doing some some technical issues in Genesis, uh, Hebrew poetry, what's poetry, what's not poetry. They also got into some very interesting cultural things that are going on in Genesis that maybe I didn't get in some of the smaller schools about the history and maybe this is this was the culture at that time and placing it in a cultural context. But I also didn't know that a lot of that cultural context that was mentioned, I, I, could, I can learn that stuff with just buying the right books. 
So I, I am calling into question the whole thing. And here's a news article. People with 80-something thousand dollars of debt, 40,000, 30,000, and all these seminary graduates. Now, yes, they were looking at the racial discrepancy between why are people of this race have higher debt than people in that race. I, again, that I'm not saying that's not an interesting and an important concept to try to figure out why. But my thing is, why does anybody have 40,000, 60,000, 80,000, 20,000, 30,000? Why does anyone have any debt? The church that sent them there should pay for it. And if the church is not going to pay for it, the church should have been the one equipping them. There we go. That's my philosophy. That's my hypothesis. That is my theory. I believe it's the responsibility of the church. The church in its everyday ministry is to be equipping saints for ministry. That's the purpose of the church. Not to entertain saints, not to entertain sheep, but to to equip saints for ministry. That's everyone. And anyone who wants to go a step beyond, well, the church is the perfect place to learn ministry. Right there in that church. Right there in that church. If I had people here, if I had someone here who's wanted to be in ministry, man, I would, man, we'd be meeting up here. I'd be giving them things to do. And guess one of another things I'd be saying to do. I'd be like, right here, we've got a, we got a Theology Central podcast. We already broadcast so much. You're going to be doing some teaching right here on the podcast. I, I would be looking for opportunities to get them in front of speaking and teaching and, 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 stru- and working on things. And then once they were ready, then we're like, okay, now what do you want to do? Do you want to go find a church that's already established? Well, let's help you get you, let's get you there. Let's do what we can. You're going to go start a church. Okay, this church is going to help financially support you to the best of our ability. Now, we're a small church, so it's not going to be great, but we're going to do everything we can to help you, help you get established, help you get going. But it's almost, I hate to say this, for many men, that seminary degree is a source of status and identity. They want everyone to know where they went to school. They want everyone to know that they've got uh, some letters in front of their name. They want those letters. They want those letters placed on the church sign. They want those letters on that church website. Let everyone know that I have a bachelor's or doctorates. They want everyone to know. They want everyone to know because because I, yeah, I'm a ministry, but I, I'm a minister, but 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 but, but I've got this education. They want to be almost known by their education. Instead of just being known for ministering the word of God to as many people as possible. I call it into question. I know I'm in the minority, but I thought I would throw this out there on this Sunday afternoon because I'm sitting in the middle of it. I'm, I'm sitting in the back of the empty sanctuary of a church. And I think that one of the responsibilities of a church is to train men for ministry. Now, sometimes you have men in the church who are ready for ministry. Sometimes you don't. Right now, I wish I had men for, for ministry. I'd have them doing things. We would be, we'd be working on things. I just feel bad for the young people who think they have to go off to Bible college and incur debt and move their church and move their family and try to work a job and go to school and try to do all of that. When, man, just get them into ministry. Get them prepared. Get them ready. All right, I'll stop there. You can email me your disagreements to newsif at yahoo.com. Yeah, I know no one's going to agree with me. Newsif at yahoo.com. Look, and if you disagree, I know you you may want to argue and argue. and You can argue. Look, okay, 
You can take the time to email me to argue with me if you disagree. You can, but just realize I'm not going <laughs> to... I'm not going to be able to single-handedly end the seminary industrial complex. So you don't have to worry about it. Like if you're so like, I'm pro-seminary. I care about my seminary degree. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. It's going to be okay. Your your whole, that whole structure is not going to go away. I'm not going to bring it down. I'm not going to hurt it in any way, shape, or form. Just maybe there's a couple of people out there that I can say, hey, I think there's a different way. And it may be a better way. So, if, don't get too upset with me because I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to destroy your precious system. Okay. Your system is going to stay intact and all that money is going to continue to exchange hands and someone's going to make some money in all of it. And some people are just going to incur debt because now they can go, look, I've got all this debt, but look what I have. I've got a piece of paper. It says master seminary. It says Westminster. Look at it. Look at it. I got this paper. Look at me. Look at me. Okay. Yeah, great. You got a piece of paper and you've got debt. That's wonderful. That's great. Awesome. Are you really more prepared for ministry than the person who doesn't have that piece of paper? Because I think it's the local church who should be the one to determine if you're ready for ministry. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.